Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. G'day legends, we're back in the building after the international break. Welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me is Liam. Johnny will be on hopefully later. Uh, technical difficulties, you know, I think apparently he has a gremlin on the computer, but that's what that's what he says. But how are you, Liam? Well, he's got a gremlin in his computer. I think I've got a gremlin in my immune system. I am feeling like crap right now, but hey, let's talk Celtic and hopefully that some sort of placebo effect will kick in. Look at it this way, Liam. You're not feeling well. There's always mm. one thing that can make you feel a lot worse. Yeah. At least you're not a Sevco fan. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, yeah, all right. I'm not feeling my best, but we're not we're not talking necrosis quite yet. You know, but I haven't I haven't gone full zombie yet, you know. Yeah. Got some comments here. Michael Ross, yes, Superman, I knew he was a Tim. Oh, Andrew Goyer. Liam in his pajamas. <laughs> Better late than never. Yeah, sorry, mate. We've just with the time changes, things have chopped and changed around here. So we're basically working in three time zones at the moment to get this show out. So it's nine o'clock here for me. It's seven PM for Liam in Japan and it's eight PM for Johnny in Brisbane when he gets on. So the things we do to talk Celtic because we love it. So um yeah, we'll we'll get on with the show. So we've got a um I'm going to start off with the mental health fundraiser that we've been doing for the month of October. So one foot forward, the Black Dog Institute, we set a goal of $500 we wanted to raise for the podcast over the course of October, and we're almost up at two and a half grand. So doing um, a lot better than I thought we would, and um, it's great to be getting out there, make you know, taking the going for a walk and tell you what, my T-shirts are starting to look a little loose on me. So the wife mentioned it before, so 
I'm getting the benefit while raising money for a good cause. So it's a uh, happy days there. How are you doing with it all, Liam, other than being crook at the moment? You've been doing pretty well from what I've seen. Um, I'm glad I got my miles in early because uh, I, I, I actually had in the back of my mind it's we're coming into Japanese flu season, so I wanted to get it done. I, I managed to get the 300 completed last week. Um, I'll... Uh, I'll send you a bill for the for the trainers because my my Nike Airs actually exploded at the end of the, the three. Like the bubbles actually burst, so I had to buy new shoes the other day. But apart from that, it's been wonderful. Um, and listen, all, all joking aside, massive thanks to everybody that's donated. Um, I'm I'm blown away at how much we've managed to, to raise. Like you say, you know, we, we set five hundred as a target, and we're being optimistic and. Uh, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we've we've gone well, well past that, and there's still more than a week to go. So let's, uh, you know, let's push on and see what we can do. I've done my 300, but I pre- I pledge to try and for every dollar that comes into my my donation, I'm going to try and do a kilometer. So I've done 360 so far, and there's 460 in the pot. So hopefully, I can get another 100k in before the end of the month. I'd set myself 100k's, Liam, and um. Yeah, I uh, had to change it because I already smashed through. I'm like about 130 k's, and that's before I even putting in anything what I've done on the weekend. So pushing for it's 200 amazing. myself, which is good. It's just good to bring the competitive juices out and for a good cause. So it's, yeah, it's amazing, amazing how quickly it all stacks up. You know, you just like you know, you just go to work, you come home again. And you're like, oh shit, I've done 10 kilometers. You know, it, it it really is like it's that it's that quick when you once you get into a habit of just doing it every day. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I could do 300 kilometers every fortnight, but I, t- I tell you, it's uh, it's definitely an addictive thing in a healthy way. Once you get into it, it really does feel feel good. Well, they say it takes 21 days to form a habit, Liam, so we're officially got the habit going because it's day 23 of the month, so there we go. Um, last thing I wanted to say, Liam, you said you blew out your Nike Airs. Mm-hmm. What'd you expect? Sweatshop shoes, enough said. <laughs> I well, you know, I mean, you know, anyone unless you wear clogs, mate. You know, just just to be serious for a minute, you know, there is all this thing. We want fair trade. We want to clamp down and all that. So if we are serious about ending sweatshops, now is the time to stock up on cheap sportswear. Especially Castore branded, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, we'll uh, crack onto the Celtic talk now. We've we've you know had a bit of a. Uh, been a couple of weeks without catching up, Liam. I don't know. I'm going a little stir crazy. Anyway, we get into it. Celtic four hearts one. Mm. I was going to name the podcast Itchy Nissan for the three Japanese goal scorers, but then I'm like, it doesn't make sense because I really scored the first one, which is Itchy. So basically, mm. it would be Nissan She or something like that for those next three. And I'm like, but then I really it's left out. So I'm like, nah, boy band podcast episode name. Matt O'Reilly and the J Boys. There it is. Yeah. Also, you don't you don't want to use she in a Japanese name at all because it's the same pronunciation as death. So people yeah. tend to shy away from that. <laughs> yep. I knew that one as well. So but Aye. the funny thing is, if we had a gone Willie's the podcast name for tonight, it would have been uh probably would have got, you know, kicked off YouTube and everything else. So it was an accurate we... title, to be fair. <laughs> Oh, we passed five minutes, so we can say it now. We don't have the fear of uh, YouTube, you know, dropping us or kicking it, kicking it off here. So, Willie said, "Take, take that, Naismith, you dirty big hun." 
that was pretty much the name that he said for the episode. And you can't go wrong with that. So let us know your thoughts on the game against Hearts. Okay, so fill up the comments. Let us know your thoughts on the starting lineup, the goals scored, any players in focus you want to talk about. Me and Liam would, would chat about it all as well. But I'm going to bring up a couple of comments here. So peg leg was Hearts got horsed. Yep. Michael Ross, we blew the watery farts away. Oh, bit of gastro farts, got to love it. Mm. And, um, yeah, so we'll get into the starting lineup here, Liam. So I had it on my phone and I just absolutely shut it. So we started off, it was going to be, there's pretty much only one question every week now, isn't it? It's who's going to start up front alongside Kyogo and Maeda. The rest yeah. of the team picks itself, which is a good thing to have. Like, even though we're starting to come back to some strength, we're getting players back. you got Hart. Taylor Scales is first choice for me at left centre back now. Carter Vickers at right centre back. Those two are building a nice partnership. Alistair Johnson out right. The midfield three, Hattade, O'Reilly, and McGregor. You can't really argue that. And then up front, yeah, it's Kyogo, Maeda, and who else? Are you going to play Yang? Are you going to play Palmer? Are you going to play... Um, Abada once he's back. Is Tilio going to get a game when he's back and fit? Is Mikey Johnson? I'm doing that just because he scored an international goal. Is he going to get a game? I hope not, but I want to see the comments light up. People tell me, you know, wind your neck in. <laughs> <laughs> so the main option is who's going to be the other winger? Is it yeah. going to be James E. Forrest? So there's, we've got plenty of options there. Um. Yeah, it was uh, what was your thoughts when you saw the starting lineup, Liam? Um, yeah, I was uh, I was excited because I liked what I'd seen of Palmer so far. So getting another chance to have a good look at him, um, I was uh, you know I was I was also pleased that Iwata still made the bench. Um, you know, there's been question marks about whether or not he fits in, and uh, I think he answered those when he came on. Um, so that that was good to see. No, I, I I think it was as close to a full strength team as you can have at the moment. Um, I think when Navrosky and Abada are both fully fit, you know, in a, in a couple of months or whatever, th- there's going to be some real, real difficult choices to be made, but in a good way um, for the manager. Yeah, it's going to be that way as well. Look, there's plenty of options, but there's talk going around. Apparently, Rogers doesn't doesn't rate Lagerbelki. He thinks he's too slow. So mm. I think the the big the big signing at the back realistically was Starfelt going in. We signed Narosky as his replacement. Let's be honest. Yeah. So it's going to come down to who are your top three centre backs at the moment. At the moment, it's Carter Vickers and Scales. You've got Phillips on loan, but we're barely seeing him play. Once Narosky's back fit, Lagerbelk is fit. I don't think we're going to keep Phillips. It's going to cost too much to keep him. Yeah, and then by the time the window comes and he can move back, what happens? In comes Welsh as your fifth option at your centre back. So I don't really think we're going to need Phillips. So realistically, it's going to be a combination of those main three. Like Scales hasn't done anything wrong. Like for me, he was probably one of our better players yesterday. Hmm. I'm just loving the composure of, and it's something that Sean used to say on the pod as well. Where having a naturally left-sided centre back. It just looks a lot smoother. Like when Carter Vickers passes it to him, he's getting closed down and you don't need a quick one-two to get it to the right, to get it from his left foot to his right foot to make the pass. It's just, bang, one-touch football. There was a time in the game where the ball came from left back, back into him, 
and he's hit it across to Johnson. It's then come back over to Carter Vickers, to Hart, and it's pushed to him again in the middle of the centre back, and then he's pushed it forward and ran it forward a bit. And I'm just like, that's just such a simple football. So I don't know. For me, Scales is undroppable at the moment, and Carter Vickers is the equivalent of Virgil with uh, when he had Denier next to him for me. It's like Virgil made Denier look better. And yeah. Well, and you look at Carter Vickers playing against Starfelt, he looked good. Carter Vickers alongside Scales, he's looking good. Carter Vickers alongside Lagerbelka, he's looked good. So I think that's the consistent, that's the rock in our defence there. And, yeah, for me, it's still Scales. But Naroski, if he came in, he'd do the job as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- th- like you say, that's the advantage that Scales has is that, you know, whether or not you think Starfield is a better defender all round than I think he was, Um the fact is that just simply because of he's left-footed, Scales can do in one touch what Starfield needed two touches to do. And in any sort of high-tempo game, especially you know later on in Europe, whatever, that's going to be really, really important to be able to just make that one-touch pass or one-touch tackle as opposed to having to shift your feet and you know maybe take a touch, which if you're not naturally left-sided, you would have to in that position. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, which uh, do we? Can I, I? I don't know if I can remember. Wh- which foot does Narovsky kick with? Is he left or right-footed? I think he's uh, naturally right-footed, but he always has played on the left side. Right. Okay. Right. Well, if that that's... makes sense. So mm. um, that reminds me of um, what's your guy's name down at Liverpool that plays alongside Virgil Gomez when he played centre back. Right. Yeah, it was a natural right footer guy who always, even when he was at Charlton and other clubs, he played as a left sided, played left mm-hmm. centre back always. So, yeah, it shouldn't make much difference there. Um, something I'm going to bring up here: Andrew Galee's got this comedy. CCV makes a difference. Yeah, and then Michael Ross. We don't need Phillips. Andrew Galea, no point playing Phillips. And the reason I said that about Phillips early on as well is Scales is our player. At the end of the day, we own his contract. Like, he's our guy. Phillips is Liverpool's player at the end of the day. Why should we put time into developing or playing Phillips, getting in games when Scales is doing the job for us and he's our own player? And we're going to get the benefits long-term if we do that. That's basically cutting your nose off to spite your face. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually enjoying watching Scales play. Yeah, I mean, it's no slight on Phillips. You know, the guy is a quality defender from what I've seen of him um, at Liverpool before he came to us. But, yeah, you're right. He's As long as Scales keeps playing the way that he's playing and then you've got Navroski coming back, Phillips is surplus to requirements. Not his fault. It's just, it's just the way it is. And, yeah, Liverpool would want too much money for him to get him permanently. And he's not as drastic a shift up in quality as you would expect for what's going to be like a eight to 10 million pound signing. So no, it just, I mean, let's face it. If we hadn't had as many injuries as we did, we would never have been interested in taking him in the first place because he's not really, it's not a player we could realistically sign long-term. It's not a player that really, I think fits with what we want to do. He's a he's a decent defender, but nah, not not for me. Well, Pegleg's saying it's a long season, guys. We might need Phillips yet. I understand what you're saying there, Pegleg. I get it. 
if he didn't get injured when he made his debut, would Scales have got his opportunity and would be having this conversation? Probably not. So I understand what you're saying. Phillips was always going to be a stopgap. As Jamie Young's just said in the comments, we knew Phillips was going to be a stopgap. Exactly. The thing is, as Liam's saying, if we've got the, if we were to buy him, Liverpool would be wanting, you know, about eight to ten million for him. I'm looking at this now going, okay, if Scales has been out on loan and was up at Aberdeen and he was doing well at Aberdeen, and then he's come in here and he's had a chance to establish himself and actually play regular football, and he's showing us that there's you know, players within Scotland can do the job for Celtic, which we haven't seen that since Ronnie Dahlia, Dahlia, Dahlia bloody tongue-tied there, when Ronnie was at the club and he signed got those guys from Dundee, Armstrong, Mackay Stevens, Shifty wasn't so good, but he signed those guys. Realistically, we haven't really been looking to buy players from other Scottish teams, and there's got to be some talent there because... I'm looking at it and going, all right, there's a big left-sided centre-back playing for Hearts. I was like, yeah, we put four past him, but it wasn't him making the mistakes in Kai Rouse, the Aussie centre-back. We could do a lot worse than looking at him if we needed to, if we needed to buy a centre-back. And he'd be a hell of a lot cheaper than $8 million than Phillips. You could probably pick him up for four to five quite comfortably, maybe even less. Mm. So why would we spend $8 million on that when you can go and get a full Australian international, younger player, doesn't have the injury history there, and you can bring him in and he knows the league because he's been playing in it for a few years. Like that sort of signing to me makes more sense than spending $8 million on on Phillips, 8 to $10 million. I'm not saying that we need to sign Ro, Ro, Kyle Rouse, okay? I'm not saying that. Just because I'm an Australian doesn't mean I'm saying that. But what I'm getting at is here – value for money and what we need with how many deep, how many players that we have at that position already. I don't see this point of spending eight to 10 million on someone who's only going to be a stopgap player. No, I mean that, you know, you've, you've cited an example of a player that you, you know, you know, with him being Australian, but you could apply that same argument to the J league. You could apply it to um, most of the European leagues outside of the top five. Um, you know, someone who knew, for example, the the Czech league or the or the um, maybe even the Russian league or something like that. You know, you you could go there and get a player of that quality for probably two two three maybe four million quid as well. So like, if you have the the scouting network, then absolutely you don't need to spend that kind of money. I, I'm really pleased that we've not gone back to that well because that was my big worry with Brendan Rodgers coming back is that we would go back to signing English Premier League cast-offs and Phillips notwithstanding we haven't really done that so that's been that's been very encouraging Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City Go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda You never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today Your savings are waiting Go to your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price Priceline Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Michael Nicholson and Mark Lowell's uh, director of football. Yeah. There you go. But we'll get back to our game <laughs> rather than talking yeah. about this. You can keep going. But realistically, last last thing on the uh, centre-backs, I'm just going to bring up this comment from Martin here. Phillips a £10 million-plus player. So it's no go. We have five good centre-backs. Welsh, Kardavikas, Scales, Lagerbelka, and Noroski. Needs a loan with... Need a loan with recall. Same with Kobe. Like, honestly, I reckon Kobe Ashi have said it. He needs to go out somewhere on loan. I'd send him to Hibs or Aberdeen, something like that. I know there's hmm. like there's options there for him, but yeah, I don't want to see him go back to the back to the J League on loan. I think the rest of those guys could tide us over the rest of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kobe actually needs games. He's 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 got to. He needs some games in Europe to just to, to acclimatize. Um, Rogers made the same point about Tellio the other day, saying that you know because of the, because he got injured as soon as he arrived, he's taken longer to acclimatise to the style of play in Scotland. And I think Kobayashi, not so much because of injury, but I just think he he also had a bit of a stop-start pre-season, if you remember. Um, and I think he's taken a wee bit longer to adjust than everybody else. And Jury's still out as to whether he'll make the grade or not. Tellio, I'm sure he'll be fine once he gets up to speed. But, you know, the fact that Rogers made that point in his press conference the other day, I thought was very telling. We've got a comment on that from Michael Ross here saying, Rogers saying Tellio is struggling with the intensity of training since arriving at Celtic. Is that him saying he's not good enough? No, I don't no, think so. He's definitely good enough. Let's let's look at it. Let's look at it. Take the Celtic and the green tinted specs off for a second here, okay? Hmm. If you've got teams in Scotland like Hearts with Cammy Devlin, Kai Rouse, Callum Neewenhoff, those guys, right? All starting. You've got over at St Mirren, you've got um, what's his name? Ryan Strain and the midfielder that just kicks the crap out of everyone. I'm trying to remember his name again. Bacchus. Uh, you got him. Then you look at Hibbs and they've got Miller there, Okay. You've got all these Australian players who have come over from the A-League and they were lesser regarded players within the, the setup. And not all of them are Australian internationals. The only one of those guys when they signed over into Scotland as an Australian international was Kyle Rouse. That's it. The rest of them weren't even guaranteed starters at their teams here in Australia. Now they're all starting in the in Scotland. And they're some of the better players in their teams. Yet people think Tilio, who's won four straight comps, or th- sorry, three straight comps, and has played for Australia, has won the A-League Youth Player of the Year a couple of, like two seasons in a row, or at least been nominated for it, and is one hell of a player. People saying that, oh, is he going to cut it in Scotland? Why don't you next him, anyone like that? Like, the kid's been injured. Like, he done a couple of really bad injuries end of last season. It's going to take time for him to get back, get fit, settle into a new cut, new team, new coach, new club, new things, and he's going to get his fitness back up. 
And by the time he gets his fitness up, unfortunately, there's going to be players in front of him absolutely flying, like we're seeing with Palmer at the moment, like we're seeing with Maeda. He can't, he's not going to knock either of them out. So he's going to be a long-term prospect for us. Second half of this season, once he's fit, we'll start to see something. And then next season, because of the fitness injuries, issues, he's going to hit the ground and absolutely explode. In the same way Paddy Roberts did for us when he came in. Didn't do much his first six months. Second year of his 18-month loan, he went absolutely ballistic. That's where we're going to see Tilio. That's the way I see it happening. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if we're having this same conversation nine months from now, then you can start to get worried. Um, but the boy's just in the door as far as I'm concerned. You know, people are asking questions about Kobayashi now because he's been at Celtic for, you know, nine, nine, ten months and still hasn't really done anything. Um, you know, but Tilio is nowhere near that yet. Like I said, you know, wait to the end of the season, see where we are then. Um, even I would say after preseason next year, see where we are. Um, like you say, he's a long-term prospect and he's clearly a player and I'm not, I'm not overly concerned. I think the manager was simply explaining why he's not part of the plans at the moment. He wasn't slagging the boy or saying he wasn't good enough. I think he was simply just saying, look, at the moment, he's not there yet. And I think that's, that's all there is to it really. Yep. 100%. It's going to take time, but there's a player there and yeah, just watch his space. That's the hill yeah. I'm going to die on the way you were with Maeda, where he yeah. struggled in the first season. I'll, I'll put the marker down and say that like mm-hmm. if he doesn't come good by the end of next season, if he's not playing regularly or at least in the squad, I'll come onto a podcast wearing a tiara. <laughs> there you go. I've said it. Oh dear. <laughs> all, right, all right, then I'll 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 go in on that as well. Okay, if he doesn't make the grade, I'll 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 once again wear that infamous uh, Sylvester Stallone top that almost got me kicked off Axon. <laughs> Fair enough. There we go. All right, so the game against Hearts. Let's get back to that. Mm. Goal scored. Four minutes in, Matt O'Reilly's goal. Oh, thing of beauty. Doesn't matter what words we say here, we're going to be wax and lyrical. We're going to be just going on about it. It's a combination of the pass from Palmer, the run from O'Reilly, and then the finish. He had a lot to do. And just there was a reverse angle of it as you're watching him and he's watching him watch the ball come in and then placing it. It was just a thing of beauty. It was an absolute. Yeah. Absolute amazing goal. You know, I was I said to my dad as we were as we were watching the game, I said, you know, that's the sort of goal that should be a goal of the season contender. But because it wasn't like a 35-yard screamer, it's not going to be. And it's a shame because it's te- technically you will see very few better goals than that this season in Scotland. Yep. Have to agree. Like, yeah, it was just it's a doozy of a goal. Like, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know what to say, Liam. You said that, and I go, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah. that goal was amazing, but it wasn't just the goal. I know it was four minutes in, but then off the back of that, usually a team gets an early, an early goal, and what happens? They relax, they let mm-hmm. the other team get the ball, play their way into the game. Uh uh-uh, uh, not today, Junior. That was no. the way I looked at it. <laughs> Fuck no. Out. We just went at him and went at him and pressed when we needed to and held back and did the old 
pass, 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 and just opened them up. It was unbelievable. And then realistically, uh, by about the 12th, 13th minute mark, we could have been two or three up. Like they said in the warm-up that uh, Maeda was out on the right wing working on his crosses into the box with Harry Kuehl. Mm. And you could notice that. Yeah. The crosses that were coming in from him were looking a lot more lively than they have in a long time. Usually he just gets to the byline and just cut something in quick and it's just a quick little stub. He's getting some borders and go out of the ground. But he was putting his crosses in earlier and it was looking a hell of a lot like there was more purpose behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with that. Well, it goes back to what I talked about with Maeda last time we were on. You know, I said, like, he can he can switch positions as required, but he does need that wee period of adjustment. And I think now he's starting to emerge from that. And we're seeing that, yes, he can play on the right and he can be effective. Yep. He's, um, the old Neil Lennon tactic, switch the wingers, is actually working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but then... But then even with the the crosses like I'm talking about was good there. But when you have a look at even the second goal, like you see when the VAR looked at it, how far onside Maeda was, and then he just like bungles it over the line. And the look on his face was just like, what's going on here? Like he (laughs) actually looked agitated that he scored it so ugly. Yeah. (laughs) In the day, you don't get style points, Daisy. No. I mean, the whole team were kind of like that at the start. I mean, you know, Brendan Rodgers is too much of a professional to ever admit this, but it was as if Hearts had annoyed them. You know, <laughs> the way they were playing, it was as if Hearts had done something to offend Celtic and Celtic, like, let's just put this mob back in their box. <laughs> I think the easiest way was this, the nicest way I can sum it up was, you know, when you're at a pub and there's just like that loud group of wankers in the corner just absolutely just chirp, chirp, chirping away. And if you walk past and someone gets bumped and they're just like trying to start trouble, that's yeah. what Hart looked like in the first 20, 30 minutes. Anytime there was a chance to like bump someone or get a bit of niggle or just try and rough us up, they tried to do it. Yeah. And our guys were just like, no, nah, enough of this. Get the fly swatter out. Just give them a whack and get on with it. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was just brilliant. Good to see. Uh, yeah, especially then, against that mob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One thing I did notice, say, I always knew that um, Norman said Tanados for some reason, Tynecastle, I've always known, thought that's very small. Like there's not much runoff from the side, like the end of the goals to the, the, the fence. Mm. And there was one point where we're trying to take a corner. And I think it was O'Reilly. He took two steps back and his heels on the fence and he actually had Turnbull pushing the fence back for him as he was warming up so he could get that full stride in to get his shot in, like to put the corner in. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that you know, yeah, all right. I get it. It's tight and close to the pitch, and they want to create that kind of a bare pit atmosphere. Um, it's the crowd but, to do that. Aye, but, yeah, like you say, when it gets to the point where a player can't even take a corner properly, that that's where you think, wait a minute, this this, this is too much, you know? Yeah. Like, I know they say, oh, it's a small pitch there and everything, and all it takes is reduce the, the length of the pitch an extra foot at each end. It's not going to make a difference for, you know, onsides, offsides, any of that sort of stuff, and it's going to help player safety, get them away from those mutants in the crowd. So you can't go wrong with doing something like that, but I just thought that was odd. But 
I'm amazed that's not part of the official regulations. You know, like a pitch has to be a minimum length, a minimum width, a minimum dimension. Um, why is there no like SFA or SPFL statute about like the minimum distance from the crowd that the that the, the, the corner flags have to be, for example, or the or the touchline has to be? You know, we have that over here. Like, yeah. Most professional leagues do. That's the thing. <laughs> so. We've got it over here. And what's what's strange about it is the reason we have it in Australia is because there's two stadiums. You had Perth Glory Stadium where there's very little runoff. It's kind of like there wasn't much runoff and they had the used to call it the um the tunnel at their stadium walk. Was you could fit one person. I'd have to walk through sideways if I was to go into the locker rooms. That's how ridiculous small it was. But it was funny to see that. But like they didn't have much runoff at, at certain spots at that stadium, but then you had the opposite of Wellington Phoenix playing on this big round oval in New Zealand, so they had heaps of it. So then the one season they had like this massive, super wide field, and it was a joke. So then they're like, okay, you've got to have certain proportions and stuff like that, and they fixed it all. So yeah, yeah it's just um, it's just weird though. I mean, Hamden goes the other way. The atmosphere at Hamden is almost always crap because you're just it's too so far, far away, away from the pitch. It really, yeah. and and this because it's such an open arena, the sound travels upwards instead of traveling forwards, and it's just the acoustic. I mean, I've been to concerts there as well, and the acoustics are absolutely rotten as well. So, with Hamden, Liam, question. Mm. I know it's back a bit. Does it go out like it's a slow incline up, or is it actually like a sharper up? Like that? Oh no, it's 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 quite a smooth incline. I mean, don't get me wrong. I once I once launched a guy down the stairs for being a dick, and he and he fell quite a quite a bit. But um, <laughs> but no, that that generally it's it's quite a it's not particularly steep. I mean, you know, like I say, if you if you push someone down, they're going to fall down several flights. But it's not um it's not overly. I mean, it, Celtic Park's a lot steeper. Put it that way. Um, and. Yeah, it's just Hamden is just it, it's just a mess of a stadium. It really is. It's freezing cold as well because you've always got this big sort of column behind where the crowd sits, and then there's like a sort of a twenty yard gap to get to like the pie stalls, and it's just this constant wind tunnel of just like this circulate. Even on a day when it's not that windy, it's always freezing because you've got this constant circulation of outside air. It's it's not a good stadium at all. Gonna bring up some comments here about um this. So this this PL rule is the distance between the touch on the crowd must be the minimum of one blaze length. I thought it was one rolled up trouser leg length, but there you go. I, I... Tony, because Melbourne is closer to the pitch than Celtic end at the ham dump. <laughs> Dominic, Jared, oh. if Tilly doesn't come through. Two issues with that. One, I would never spend my money on that rubbish. I'd rather give it to charity. And two, I'd rather punch myself in the dick 20 times in a row than than wear a Servco top. So it's not going to happen. Plus, I'm pretty sure Australia has laws about important toxic materials. Toxic waste. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so just getting back to the second half, like quickly talk about that. I thought it was more of the same. I think that was their most complete 90-minute performance. Some of the players coming on for subs. It was good to see Bernardo out there again. Awada coming on actually playing in the middle of the park was good. The more I'm seeing him playing there, I'm happy with that. Mm. Um, the goal from Kyogo, 
I love the first half, four minutes in goal, second half, six minutes in goal. That just like deflated them to the point where you just see their stadium just getting emptier and emptier and emptier. And that will tie into our next topic. But mm. then they got a little bit of hope with their goal, which was a bad turnover from us. And um, look, Maeda did a lot of positive in the game. So coughed one up. It is what it is. You get on with it. Didn't cost us any points at the end of the day. So Gav Shankland is due. It was a decent finish as well. Decent oh, was turn and shot. Um, There's a fair bit yeah. of curl on it. Got to give yep. credit where it's due there. And then you've right. got, um, and then the goal at the end. What I found funny with the Awada one was the ball c- comes over, O gets it, takes a shot, and Awada's got waving for it. He takes a second shot. He's waving for it. The ball finally comes out, goes elsewhere, comes back to him. One touch, bang, in off the bottom of the un- underside of the crossbar and in. And he's like, yeah. And I'm just like, that's what should have happened on the first one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's never said it big all right. You've had your turn. Give me a shot now. Come on. <laughs> RL77, Awada, right, oh, that's how you do it. Yep, exactly. Michael Ross has got a comment for you, Liam. Should we buy Shankland? Uh, no. No, we shouldn't. I don't think we need. Let's look at it this way. If Shankland came in, is he going to start over Kyogo as a striker? No. No. Is he an improvement as a backup striker on Maeda playing through the middle? No. No. So... We should not buy him, and Pegleg has said it here. No, we should not buy Shanklin a shite bag. There you go. The, th- the thing about Shanklin is he's not he's not a player that's ever going to like, step up and win you a game, I don't think. I think you need a big character to be at Celtic. I think if we signed him, it'd be another N- Nadir Chifty. You know, it looks good playing for another Scottish team, but pish when he comes to us. Um, the funny yeah, thing as well, though, is, as you said, Liam, is he going to step up and win your game? He stepped up against us last year and scored a hat-trick in a 4-3 loss for them. So it didn't really do much. So (laughs) No. 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 Um, Like, as Andrew's saying here, I was still so young as well. Like, I see I was the third-string striker in the way Edward was in Rogers' first season last time around. Yeah. Like, we we had Dembele, we had Griffiths, and then we had the understudy. O is that player this year. We're going to see bits and pieces from him, and then one game he's just going to absolutely erupt, and then we'll be like, oh, there's that player we've all heard about. I don't know when it will happen. Well, if it's another 3-2 win at Ibrooks with 10 men, I'll take that, just like Big Eddie's debut. Well, not his debut, but he's kind of a, you know, when he really hit his stride was that winning goal against the Huns. So Hmm. one of those from O would certainly go a long way. Yeah, that would that would go a long way to uh, getting people on on side for him. So, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. 
You got this. Adidas. We normally have our player focus where we talk about players. I think we've basically covered everyone that we want to talk about. I just want to say Joe Hart, I thought he did really well with the ball at his feet yesterday in the game and had a couple of decent saves as well. So I'll give credit where that's due. Greg Taylor did well. Another very good save at 1-0, which is very important and often gets overlooked. Yeah, sorry. You were saying. Greg Taylor, left back, I thought he was very um, understated but played his role to perfection especially with Palmer when you get him on the left and he's squaring up to guys. It's when does Taylor stay narrow? When does Taylor overlap? I think he's starting to get that bit of, you know, understanding with him on where to be in what position. So it was good to see that. So my question is, Liam, do you see with the guys we've got in the squad and with Scales playing as well as he is and he can also play at left back, do you see any way for Bernabe to even get into our squad, let alone into the first team? Honestly, no. No. If you if you ask me right now, the way things are, pick pick out three players that are at Celtic now that are not going to be at Celtic in the new year. Um, I would say Bernabe, uh, Phillips, and uh, Kobayashi, unfortunately. Um, I think those are the... Coffee, come on. Well, I mean that go that kind of goes without saying, but I think he he must have I don't know <laughs> photos of Brendan in a compromising position or something. I really don't know, but why he's still there. But um, yeah. I uh, no, there's um, you know, I, you you look at players sometimes and you think there's just it's it's no it's not a bad player, but he's not our player. And I just think Bernabe is one of them that he'll probably go somewhere else and be really good, but just doesn't doesn't fit the bill for what we need. Yeah, I think um, Turnbull's another one because he's out of contract at the end of the season as well. That's going to be a factor. Gone yourself is saying, Hatate was losing the ball now and then, which surprised me, but he chased back well. The thing about Hatate, I noticed there's a slight tweak to how we normally play. So we normally have McGregor playing in the six and we have Hatate at an eight and we've had O'Reilly in the 10 most of the season. With the late runs that O'Reilly's been making into the box, I'm going to call them Paul Scholes-esque sort of runs, mm. just ghosting in at the last minute for the cross, the cut back and scoring them. One touch sort of finish and just putting some howitzers into the top corner. I think we saw more of a um, a slight tweak there where we saw Hatate more in the 10. So he didn't have as much time on the ball as he normally does because, you know, the guys are pressing him and he's right around the box. So where he was losing the ball, at least he was losing in the spot where he could press back straight away and get his work rate going. And then that freed up O'Reilly to get that little bit deeper and time his runs a little bit more. And he was getting onto the end of him with some good positioning and stuff. And even if he wasn't getting the shot, he was getting it to then reverse the ball and move it on. So yeah. I think that was a slight tweak we saw in that game tactically, which I actually liked the look of. So I'm not I'm not going to be mad at Hatade for losing the ball in the number 10 role the way he did because I'd rather him lose it there and lose it in the eight like he has been at times this season. Yeah, I noticed that when he played for Japan last week as well. Um, he, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but he definitely seems more, more, um, more assertive and more kind of like eager to get up and support the attack and really kind of 
link up the play. And, you know, he, he made Kyogo's goal against Tunisia last week with a beautiful through pass. Um, was almost playing like a winger at one point. And I, you saw a bit of that again yesterday as well, like linking up with the attack and, you know, putting some good balls into the box. And, yeah, I, I, I really like the... He's obviously developed a better understanding of what Rogers wants him to do now. And I think that was all that was missing before. And it's very telling that if you look back on, just to go back to David Turnbull, you were talking about before, before Hatate signed his contract, Rogers was like, yes, he's a quality player. We want to get his future sorted out. When Turnbull had a couple of good games at the start of the season, it was like, well, if he keeps this up, maybe. Um, to me, that was like a manager being diplomatic because he had to play a player at that time as opposed to talking up a player because he absolutely sees him as a future part of the squad. You know, very different reactions to essentially the same question about two different players. Another thing about Hatade that I just realised as well was the role he was playing. And Andrew's just said it here. Like, Hatade was everywhere. O'Reilly was definitely starting deeper. Where mm-hmm. What I saw, Hatade's game... Starting to see those wrinkles in it in terms of he's looking more like a combination of Rogic when he's in the middle of the 10, but then by drifting slightly wider as a link up player, mm. the way that Stuart Armstrong used to under Rogers the first time at the club. Yeah. And I think yeah. he's starting to get that into his game. I mean, the comparison that's been made in the Japanese press, and that, you know, it may be a bit early to be saying this, but the comparison being made is Shinji Kagawa when he was at Borussia Dortmund. Um, did, yes, you know, yeah. It wasn't quite as effective when he went to Man United, but I think that was more down to Man United's system, not really suiting him. But at Dortmund, he was playing very similar to the way Hatate is now. And once Hatate starts adding like the sort of a eight to 10 goals a season, then he'll be, you know, He'll be on that level, I think. Yep, have to agree with you. Now, I'm going to bring up a couple of comments from early on in the show. So, no, not that one. I've got a question for you here, Liam. You might out. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been three Japanese players scoring in the same game outside of Japan? Of course, there should um, have been. You know, it's funny. My dad asked the same question last night, and I couldn't think of any. Um... Because I don't know if we've ever actually, if there's ever actually been a team with as many, a team outside of the J League, rather, with as many Japanese in the starting lineup. Um, no, I, I don't. I think that might be a first. Um, it's definitely a first in the UK, that's for sure. Um, if any other league has done it, it would have been a German team because there's quite a few German teams with multiple Japanese players. But yeah, I think. Three different Japanese scoring in the same game. That, that's a first. Yeah, I'd have to agree. So Dominic had a comment early on. Matt's goal was football porn. <laughs> have to agree with you. Yep. I think if you um if you go onto what's it called? The the hub. I'm not mm. gonna say the full one because you know. Yes. We'll get demonetized on YouTube. But if you go on the hub and type in jam tarts, you might see that there. Who knows what else you might see? You might see a bunch of red-headed actresses. I don't know. That that like, goal would yeah. um to to you to use a term of phrase our our, our, our friend Sean uses uh, that goal would have you ripping the heat off it. 
Jeez. All right. Uh, Next topic. Everyone, light up the comment section. Away allocations in SPFL games. I'm going to ask you straight up because Peglegs commented this. Why did they reduce Celtic to a miserly 500 tickets and their stadium ended up half full? Pure stupidity. And then well, you've got Michael Ross, loads of empty seats in the away end. Now, I'm going to go with my little thing and then you jump in yep. off the back here, Liam, because sure. my question for everyone, put it in the comments, how shit was the atmosphere at Tynecastle with only 576 Celtic fans in the away end while the bay next to them was practically empty? My thoughts on this is we're constantly having teams in Scotland crying out about crying poor about, oh, we have no budget to compete with the teams from Glasgow. Yet when they have the chance to open their stadiums up and, you know, sell more tickets, they say no. Brendan Rogers has said that he's recommended that the SPFL gets involved and implements minimum standards for away allocations at all games across Scotland. What do you guys think in the comments and yourself, Liam? What do you think? How much, how how shit was the atmosphere? And do we need to have an actual implement a minimum standard like they have in Europe where it has to be 5% of the stadium or 3% of the stadium or whatever? What do you think? Uh, right. Well, first of all, to answer your, your, your question about why did, why did teams like Hearts do that, um, it's short-termism, spite, and stupidity um that's the only way to describe it um the unfortunate reality if you're not a celtic or a rangers supporter in scotland is that celtic and rangers are the hand that feeds you and you shouldn't bite it that's uh, unfortunately that is the financial reality when hearts are getting crowds of you know twenty five thousand, then they can tell celtic they're not getting any tickets but yesterday that stadium was barely half full um, so I'm sorry, but if you cannot fill the demand, then really you have a moral obligation to open it up for people that are willing to fill that demand. Um, Celtic could have sold out Tynecastle yesterday easily, and Hearts chose not to take that money. And like you say, they'll have the begging bowl out at the end of the season, saying to their fans, "We need you, you know, we need you to step up, we need you to contribute so we can compete." And it's like, well, guys. You're cutting off your own, you know, cutting off your own financial bollocks here. So don't come, don't come crying to your fans when you can't, you know, you can't get your act together. Um, yeah, there should be a minimum. Um, the J in the J League, it's ten percent. Um, but bear in mind, J League stadiums are a fair bit, um, a fair bit bigger than the ones in Scotland most of the time. Um, I think, yeah, uh, I would say. 10, uh, 5% or 1,500, whichever is higher, would should be the minimum for travelling yeah. support. I think that's about fair. My view, Liam, is whatever the allocations are, if they were to play in Europe, that's what it should be in Scotland as a minimum. Because yeah. the way I look at it is if these teams want to play well in their league and qualify for the Conference League or the Europa League, that's mm-hmm. what the setup at their stadium is going to need to be anyway. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. That's the absolute min- minimum. Now, mm-hmm. we'll bring up 
couple of things here. So RL77 would be practically impossible for the SPFL to administrate or advertise itself any worse than it does. Gone yourself is more Celtic supporters at the game than Hearts fans the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Martin is, I know Hearts fans who love the fact it's an issue, but the more clubs do it, means the, SP, the SPL will have to get involved when Sky pulls the plug. Yeah. Then you've got your Michael McDonald. Who would make that decision? Definitely not the SFA or the league. Yeah, unfortunately, you'd need to get an 11-1 vote to pass it. So every team in the top flight would have to because we know the Huns won't. And if the Diet Huns are doing it, Livingston's doing it, and a few other clubs are all doing it, it's not going to happen. Um, as Pegleg's saying, as soon as the Ibrox mob produced the allocation for the derby, the SFA should have stepped in. Yeah. Now the Mr. and it because they got away with it. Kenny's I saying, the president was set. Yeah. Yep. Kenny's saying two-stage approach, one minimum percent and two time limit to sell. Rest they go the opposite side. So like the like the games at Hamden. I, I like that one, Kenny. Yep, that's a good show. That, that's an yeah. excellent show. When I said other clubs have had been crying and, and crying poor, I'm I'm referring to Livingston above all else. Mm. Like they don't want to, you know, give you more seats because they have to move four fans. <laughs> move them like three bays over. So clubs like that, clubs like St. Johnson need to need to do it. Dundee clubs do a decent job. Aberdeen have changed it up this year. So there's a whole bunch of things that if clubs want to get more money to either invest in their playing squad to make a run in Europe or to invest and improve their facilities, they need to bring money in. So sell your tickets. You're better off. The old saying is bums on seats are better than nothing. So you're better off getting 20 quid or the old 20s plenty or whatever, saying you're better off getting that in three three full stands than having empty seats and having a moral victory because if you're a club like Hearts who is fan-owned, who's going to have to pay the difference at the end of the season? Yeah, and this is the downside to fan-owned clubs is that quite often with fan-owned clubs, decisions are made based on emotion rather than based on reality. And it's because Hearts have a large, a significant part of their fan base utterly detest Celtic. So they just don't want to give us anything, even if it is hurting their own club in doing so. And my bad, by the way, where I said Livingston don't, I was referring to the wrong club. I'm trying to remember who it was. It was someone who didn't want to move some fans three bays I over. Maybe, think it, maybe, I think it was Kilmarnock. I think it may have been Kilmarnock. Either Kelly or Ross County. It's one of those two, I think. It'd be, it'd be Kelly because Ross County are good guys. They're, they're all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. Livingston, do, give us the three stands because they need money. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm confused. I'll put my hand up. Yep. Said the wrong team. No, I mean, in, in, in the case of Livingston, to give them their due, they actually played it exactly the right way. They gave it, They gave their fans, I think, about two or three months and said, look, if you can fill the seats, we won't give them LA supporters. Then after that, whatever that trial period was, they said, well, look, we're giving Celtic and Rangers two stands because we gave you your chance and you didn't step up and we need the money. You know, the yeah. realism kicked in there and it needs to kick in with the other clubs too. Liam's mates, Liam, the communist of the podcast, is actually having a capitalist conversation with me and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Ross has said who it was, Liam, it was St. Aaron, who didn't want to move those people right, three, well, three years over. There we go. Uh, well, come so, on, I got a shower of shite as well, just for the record. 
<laughs> so, Liam, something you brought up in our group chat was about Brendan Rogers, Leo Labada, and their trip up to Loch Lomond. So I'll throw that to you to just have a little quick chat about it. All I'm going to say yeah. is we're keeping the politics of this story out of the show because what's going on is not ideal, but I don't want to dive into that. So if we can yeah. keep the comments section nice here on this as well, let's just talk about what's happened. Yeah. I've I mean I'll I'll as I often say it to my wife, I'll keep this short. Um I I have uh, I have two main points I want to make about this. First of all, it was an absolutely top class and beautiful piece of of uh man management and just being a good human being from Brendan Rogers to take Leo Bad out for dinner. Make sure he was all right mentally. Make sure that he understood that whatever your view is on this political situation, which we're not going to discuss, whatever, whatever your view is on it, Leela Bada does not represent his government or his military. And I think, you know, the, the vast majority of Celtic fans are smart enough to recognise that. And he will get a fantastic reception next time he plays. That That's without question. So well done, Brendan Rogers. Now, the second point I wanted to add to this, which is not political, but may seem, seem slightly controversial. Um, I noticed that throughout this whole saga, ever since things kicked off in Israel and Palestine, um, there's been a concerted effort by the Scottish press to insinuate that because some of the Celtic support are pro-Palestine, and let's just make the distinction here that you know they've not they have not, to my knowledge, pr- produced any banners that are explicitly anti-Israel. They're all pro-Palestine, and the Scottish press have engineered this thing where Leila Bada wants to leave Celtic because of their anti-Israeli agenda of some of their supporters. Um, I have not seen any anti-Israel agenda, and also I have not heard a word from Leo Abada himself about this. Now, how does he feel about what's going on in his country right now? He's probably terrified because my, my Israeli mate's fucking terrified for his family. Perfectly natural response to what's going on over there, regardless of how you feel about the reasons behind the conflict. Um, but for the Scottish press to use a war going on in a player's country to weaponize that to try and turn them against the supporters, that is a new law, even for the Scottish press, in my opinion. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep, have to agree, Lamb. 
And the only thing I want to say is hasn't been any anti-Israeli comments. It's all been pro-Palestine. The the biggest idiots other than the media are those guys who were in the um there was like when the Green Brigade on yesterday's game had all the Palestinian flags flying, there were some hearts guys with an Israeli flag on their phone holding it up and flipping the bird to the Palestinian stuff. That bloke is a dickhead. That's the way I look at it. That guy's an instigator. That's the sort of person we're referring to. Yeah. That that's why they're not a Celtic fan. At the end of the day, if you're wearing the green and white hoops and you give you all for the club, I'll support you. And I don't blame Abada for what's going on over there. His dad flew out the day it all kicked off after a visit. So of course he's going to be worried and stuff. Oh, if that was my dad going into a war zone, I'd be worried. I'm telling you that as well. So I don't blame him. So at the end of the day, he's a human. So we support our players and we we get on with it. Like I suppose it's that's all we can do. But yeah, I just want to take it back to the initial point. Great man man management from Rogers, credit where it's due. Yep, absolutely. Hundred percent. And that is the most important takeaway from all of this, is that like you say, we've got a player who is deeply worried for his family and his friends right now. And he's got the manager 100% behind him. And that is something that as a, as a, as a human being, you just love to see. Yep, 100%. Another story that we saw during the weekend, Ryan Christie's been linked with a move back to Celtic. Liam, what's your thoughts on that? Nah. Nah. Just, look, decent player, but that, that ship has sailed. Um, he did very well when he came back from his loan at Aberdeen, uh, decided that he wanted to go and try his luck in England. It's not really worked out for him. And uh, it's not, nah, it's it's not really, like I say, good player, but not a player that we need at the moment. And uh, I think he'd be better off going either to a slightly lower level within England or possibly even moving to Europe because I think he's good enough to have an effect at a certain level. But I don't think... For a team like Celtic that aspire to be at least competing in the Champions League, Ryan Christie is not the answer. So good luck to him, but not at Celtic for me. I think Christie would, if he was going to go to any European league, he probably would suit maybe playing in Italy or Germany. Somewhere where he gets a bit more time on the ball. Yeah, definitely. So, so Italy would be that. Yeah. Or because he's got, like when he plays, we used to joke Tom Rogic had one lung when he played because he was didn't give a lot of effort, and Christie would have 17 lungs. That was the old joke because he just would run and run and run. We've covered yeah. that leg work with Maeda, with Kyogo, with Atate, with a bunch of other guys there. So, yeah, I don't see it as a move back. If we were going to get any of our former Rogers players coming back as a midfielder, I mentioned him early on. For me, I'd take Armstrong in a heartbeat, but that's pretty much the only former one of our guys I'd take back in the middle of the park. And yeah. even that's doubtful to me. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, like you say, Armstrong's one you can make a case for, but I don't. Uh, not, not, not one I would really go for, to be honest. Um, I'm happy with our midfield as it is right now. It's the strongest it's been in quite a while, and I don't think you need to bring in. Again, you know, Christie is now a player who has played in the English Premier League and is going to expect an English Premier League salary, which we do not pay and which yep. we should not pay. 
unless we're getting a player of significantly higher quality than him. I'd rather see home get a run of games. I'd rather see a wider play more. Yep. There you go. Absolutely. Okay, next thing, we'll keep this short and sweet. I just wanted to drop this into the pod for those who haven't done it, but uh, the official Celtic podcast is out, and I've really been enjoying a few of the episodes there where they're talking to, like, I think it was Paul Lambert about when uh, Martin O'Neill came in. That was a good one. But there was one episode I listened to on the weekend that I really enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would, which was the episode on John Kennedy. Mm. Like, for me, it was good. Like, every time you'd see Kennedy, he's like, robotic with the mic and he doesn't look like he's smiling and he seems like a bit of a, you know, severely introverted. And you can understand that with the injuries he's been through and the way people getting on saying he's the defensive coach and he's shy and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But hearing him on the podcast, drop his guard, have a bit of a laugh and talk about his career, the pathway he took through to the first team. Then when he got injured and his way back from his injuries and all that sort of stuff, I think the thing I took out of that episode was it made him a lot more relatable and likable. And just if you haven't listened to it, if you're someone who's given Kennedy a been on his back and given him a, you know, been a bit hard on him in the past, like I have been, go have a listen to that episode. It's about an hour long, maybe, but go and check it out. I don't know. I just enjoyed it. Yeah, I would second that. Um, I think it was Shane brought it up in our in our chat the other day, and I, I actually sat down and watched it during my lunch at school today. And uh, yeah, it was a very very because the thing the funny thing is, from a personal point of view, I remember being at the the Scotland game where he got that horrible injury. Um, so to see him, you know, actually talk about that and how he mentally and emotionally dealt with it was quite quite impactful as well. I thought, and like you say, he comes across very well. Extremely likable guy, extremely knowledgeable guy. And, yeah, I am a, a lot happier with him at Celtic having seen that interview. Yep. And we've got some comments here, so um, they're not that one. Michael Kennedy would have been a Celtic great, 100%. Yeah. Tony was like, John Kennedy gave his testimonial money to charity. There you go. So it shows the sort of bloke he is. And then Class Martin, act, was, especially especially when he wouldn't have made the amount of money that most players make by the time they get a testimonial, you know. Yep. And then Martin is. I hope Kennedy gets the job after Rogers. Don't think he gets the credit. He's won more than any Celtic player and coach. I think. I don't mm. think he will get it after Rogers because, unless Peter Lowell gets involved. But yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too upset if he did. But I'd hope we'd at least look to keep progressing, no matter what we do. I want him to remain part of the setup, put it that way. Um, you know, yeah. in whenever Brendan does eventually go. Eventually he's gonna have to go be his own man though. Is he gonna step up and become he's not gonna wanna be like um Mourinho's assistant Faria, who was did nothing for years and then finally stepped out and was and just choked. He's not gonna wanna be like who was that guy, Alessio? Who replaced um, Steve Clark at Killy? Yeah, and he's come in and he lasted like eight or nine weeks. He'd never managed before, and he's mm. coming. He's going to get to a point where either he steps up and Kennedy becomes a manager and goes and does it on his own, or he's just a forever coach. 
I mean, ultimately, it depends on what he wants to do. If he's happy where he is and his family are happy where they are and, you know, he is a Celtic supporter, so if that's where he wants to be, then, you know, you, you can argue that it, to, to, to a certain mindset, you know, if, if, if being at Celtic is your dream, then any move away from there is a step down, yep. um, emotionally speaking. So he might well end up just being at Celtic for the rest of his managerial career. I don't know, but definitely possible. I'd like to see him get involved with Scotland at some point because I think he could definitely do a job there. That's an interesting shout as well. Um, all right, Liam, we're going to go a quick preview of Champions League game Wednesday night. Celtic versus Atletico Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. What's your, what's your starting lineup, Liam? What are you thinking? Right. Well, first of all, I'm going to reach for the lubricant, and then no, right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would just go with the same team we had at the weekend. To be honest, I think that's our strongest eleven at the moment. Go out there and just give it our best shot and see what happens. Um, you know, and if if Atletico put the boot in, as I think they might, you then have the option of bringing on the likes of uh, Iwata. Um, to just strengthen things up a bit in the midfield. Um, yeah, look, we're, we're probably on your hiding to nothing, so why not just go out there with our most attacking, most open team and just go for it? I mean, if we don't win this game, we're probably effectively out of the group anyway, so what, what difference does it make? Just, 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 just go out there and play, put on a show and see what happens. That's all we can do. Yep, I agree with that. Just get out there, have a crack. Same starting lineup again. Get out there. Do your best and see what happens. Like to me, if we get a draw, that's as good as a win. Like, yeah, I think Atletico is going to be absolutely smacking everyone around the whole group. So, yeah, it's going they'll finish top of the group, and then the battle is for second and third. So, for, as long as we don't get pumped, um, but you know. Could be a lot worse pumpings. It could could involve uh, what's her name, Lana. What's her name? The um, the bird, the Ibrox porn star chick. <laughs> uh, Lana something. Whatever her name is, you could get pumped by her. So I'd rather Atletico Thumpus, to be honest with you. There you go. Oh, no. <laughs> now she, I'm gonna she, I'm gonna she be more pricks on a second hand dartboard. That one. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be silly here though. If anyone feels the urge to slide tackle over the sideline and, you know, put the studs in a Diego Simone shin and, you know, just do that for fun, I will uh, I will stand up and I will slow clap like this to my TV. It will be amazing. Like, I'd love to see someone just clatter him. And if it's Brendan Rodgers, even better. Or, or Harry Kuehl come charging across the sideline and just chin him. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's a filthy pig, that guy. But, yeah, starting lineups will be the same as the weekend. Where will the game be won, Liam? What do you reckon? Um, It's going to be all about trying to get an early goal and basically put, putting the Frighteners on them. Because, like you said, let's go with the heavy favourites. They are not expected to face much of a challenge in this group from anybody, really. So... If we stun them with a quick early goal, you know, that, that's when you, you see the character of a team. 
and no one has really asked a question of their character yet. And that's all we can do. I think we go out there, hit an early goal, ask questions of them, and you never know, they might just they might just shit the bed. Yeah, I'll, I'll look at it and go, like, it's going to sound pretty weird, but I kind of agree with you there, Liam. Get the early goal, but then they're not a good – they're a bunch of downhill skiers, Athletico. If they get the first goal and get up and about, then they'll just mm-hmm. keep cruising. If we get an early goal and then do what we do well, which is play keepings off and make them run and run and run and chase us while we're just knocking the ball around, draining the energy out of their legs, especially coming from a hot place where they, they're used to playing up to the cold of Glasgow and then make them, you know, do all that, there's a fair chance they're not they're gonna struggle later on in the game. So if we can break them down that way, then there's a chance, but as I said, I reckon it'll be a draw. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be one in the in the midfield though. Let's be honest. Yeah, and it's going to be one of those nights as well where it's a cliche to say it, but the the, the crowd are going to play a massive part because that's another element of putting the frighteners on a, a team when they come to Celtic Park. You've got to have that that intimidation factor, and we need to, we need to rediscover that. Uh, got another cliche then for you, Liam. The team who takes mm-hmm. their chances wins. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Um, yep. Uh, I think it was so, Gary Lineker who famously once said, you know, if they hadn't scored more goals than us, they wouldn't have won. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so Gon yourself is saying, I think Athletic are, are, are overrated. I'm thinking we win 3-1 home. Home game, last chance. Oh, I, I hope you're right, man. I really hope you're right. Everyone, I'm gonna all predictions yeah. in there. Peglick saying mm. a draw at home is an impossible. So, everyone, chuck your score predictions in. What do you reckon, Liam? Um, right. I'm going to say two each, but the optimist in me thinks three-two Celtic last-minute winner uh, goes in off the goalkeeper's arse. Yeah, there you go. Days, no, it'll be days of my Ada scoring off like his hip or something and not realizing it. Because <laughs> you know, it'll be his it'll be his like comeback game from last year where he's wide open against Real Madrid and he just butchered it, right? So now you're gonna get him in mm-hmm. some awkward chance where he's like doesn't even see the ball, the goalkeeper saves it, punches it, and it ricochets off his hip and goes in. And it's gonna be Maida scoring the goal like that, and it'll be like Maida with the winner. That's that's how it'll work. <laughs> no, I was I was going to say two two all yeah. as well, um, but mm. it's one of those games though that if it was a if it was squeaky bum time one nil and not a single goal is scored like a goal scored really early and then nothing the rest of the game or there's nothing scored and then in the 86 minutes someone scores either of those isn't going to surprise me but I just think both teams have a lot of. Yeah options up front that there's more chance that it's going to be like four goals scored and it'll be a draw, a two-all draw. Both teams are defensively volatile as well, I think. Atletico's weakness is definitely in their defence. So, yeah. Yep, fair enough. All right, so we'll go to our final thoughts now. Shane sent through a final thought, even though he's not on the pod tonight. So Shane's final thought is I'm just getting the details up there with me 
for those of you who live over here in Melbourne, on this Saturday down at Seaworks in Williamstown, there is a Highland Celtic gathering. So basically the Melbourne... The Melbourne Highland Games and Celtic Festival people are putting on a festival down there. Celebration of Highland and Celtic culture at Seaworks. We're down with dancing, music, displays, food, and merchandise to enjoy it. Tickets were about 25 bucks, I think, at Pop when I looked at it. So you can get them through their Facebook page and everything. You can look it up on there or at trybooking.com. You can find them on there as well. So that was Shane's final thought to share. My final thought is pretty simple. Give those that you love, give them a hug. Like it's a tough time of year. We're coming up towards November, the run into Christmas with the pressures and stuff like that with finances and whatever's going on and cost of living. Some people, they're not going to have the Christmas that they'd wish. They're not going to be able to provide and there's starting to be some doubts. I know a few people with that. So if you got a friend out there, you're not sure how they're coping. Have a chat to them. Give them a hug. So what's the least you can do? Just check in on your family and friends. Liam, what's your final thoughts? Um, well, I uh my uh my 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 uh my lovely wife's sister, my sister-in-law Risa, um is currently at home resting up with COVID, uh, which she caught because she's a care worker and devotes her time to looking after elderly and sick people. So, Risa, get well soon. Feel well. And, uh, yeah, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Um, next podcast will be on Thursday night. We'll have the Thursday sesh. We'll be – so Thursday night, our time – we will be reviewing the Athletico game, previewing the weekend. Any other news or stories that pop up in the meantime, we'll be talking about on there. And it'll probably I think it'll be me, Steve, and Willie, and a special guest. So watch this space. But we'll um yeah, looking forward to it. Get through the game. Hopefully we pick up a point as a minimum. If we can do the days and made uh, last minute hip scoring winner, that'll be even better. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Appreciate it. Hail, hail. Hell, hell. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.